Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 924, air date April 4th, 2021. Yeah, please leave it. Hello, everyone. Uh, good evening. It's Dr. Shiva Ayodure. We're going live on all platforms on uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, Periscope, etc. And um, we have a, a interesting discussion we're going to have today as people are joining on um, basically what's going on the ground in a much more poignant way uh, for people to share, um, particularly mothers and teachers who are going to share the experience that they're seeing with kids and masks. And I'm going to give a little bit of an overview and covering some of the stuff we've done before on the nature of masks and the science of it based on a three-year uh, molecular systems biology study we did looking at how masks affect the oral microbiome um, or what is predicted based on the molecular systems an analysis we did. So we're going to wait for people to join. Uh, as people are joining, uh, I w I, I'm going to play a little bit of video. We had, we've done, as people come, typically there's a lot of interaction that takes place and it takes probably about five or seven minutes for people to join. So I'm going to be playing a brief video, a video that we just put together that really explains the background of VA Shiva, what we do and what really motivates us to do what we do. So let me bring that up. Uh, let me find that here. One second, everyone. Okay, there we go. So, uh, I'm just gonna, Kristen, you have to be on mute. So, all right. All right, let me go live here. Welcome to VA Shiva. VA Shiva is a product of my journey across East and West, science and tradition, ancient and modern, that brings you the science of systems so you can become a force for truth, freedom, health. VA Shiva is a platform of revolutionary education, community building, and weaponry for unleashing local activism. My journey to VA Shiva begins in the chaos of Bombay, where I experienced diverse religions, languages, castes, and in a small village that had no running water, no electricity, where my grandmother, a poor village farmer, practiced Siddha, an ancient system of Indian medicine over 10,000 years old. She observed one's face, the art of Samudrika Lakshana, to understand a body's unique constitution, allowing her to deliver the right medicine for the right person at the right time. Watching my grandmother heal others, I was inspired to study medicine, but I was also aware of the corrupt caste system of India, which denigrated a human being, where my family were considered low caste untouchables, where one's birth determined one's destiny. The grit and determination of my mother and father led them to get educated and to come to America, a one in a trillion event. Their actions inspired me to work hard and excel. While in ninth grade, I attended New York University in a computer science program, and subsequently at the age of 14, was given a full-time job as a research fellow at what is now known as Rutgers Medical School in the heart of Newark, New Jersey. There I investigated the system of sleep using mathematics, computer science, and biology for sudden infant death syndrome. It was there in Newark where I invented email when I was the first to convert every feature of the physical, paper-based inner office mail system, including inbox, outbox, memo, carbon copy, blind carbon copy, attachments, 
into its electronic equivalent, a system which I named email, a term that I was the first to coin. On August 30th, 1982, I was awarded the first U.S. copyright for the invention of this system, recognizing me as the inventor of email. At that time, copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I went on to MIT where I earned four degrees across multiple systems of engineering, electrical, mechanical, design, biological. That training led me to invent many other systems for advancing humankind. Echomail, the world's first intelligent email management system. Cytosol, a computational biology system for eliminating animal testing to discover new medicines faster, cheaper, and safer. And to the creation of a whole systems methodology for certifying clean food. These innovations led me back on a Fulbright to India, where I discovered the missing link between Eastern medicine and Western systems theory, honoring my grandmother to develop your body, your system, a powerful tool that will help you understand how your body is a system and how the inputs of food, supplements, and exercise bring your body back to its natural system state and systems health, an integrative educational discipline that is now integrated into the VA Shiva platform that will enable you to learn the science of systems, the science of everything, be it your body as a system or our society and politics as a system, to reveal the foundational interrelationships between truth, freedom, health. Now is the time for you to be the light, learn the science of systems, build community and weaponize yourself to unleash the activism necessary to deliver truth, freedom, health in your local community. Welcome to VA Shiva. All right, everyone, welcome. Um, I've taken a couple of days off because um, I wanted to take a little bit of time to put together some material that will actually help educate people and go even deeper from a systems approach. Um, Kristen, can you mute yourself, please? Yeah. Um, so we have a, a, a number of people joining us today, uh, some mothers and teachers, and we're going to take a, a deep dive on a very personal note to look at how masks are affecting kids, the experiences uh, educators as well as mothers are experiencing, um, you know, observationally. Uh, and I think it'll help people understand what these policy changes are uh, affecting people in a very personal way. Uh, before we go there, you know, the video I just play, uh, played you uh, about our platform, VHU, is really about offering a solution. Nothing is going to happen in the world unless people recognize that the world of Hollywood, the world of politics is not about solving anything. It's about entertaining you. It's about dividing you into left and right, Republican and Democrat, pro and anti, and has nothing to do with solving problems. The more subtle thing and the nuanced thing that a lot of people don't understand is that for every problem that does appear, the establishment is very clever that they actually create a bunch of whack jobs, okay? People who take the problem and create a fake solution to it, and then they promote it. We've seen that on the uh, issue of you know clean elections. We've seen that on the issue of medical freedom, et cetera. And these people are extremely clever because they do not want working people in this country to ever unite. So, you know, um, a lot of people talk to me about all sorts of issues with, uh, you know, uh, the events that are going on of the day. And what I find is uh, more people are more interested 
in trying to find the, some conspiracy version of something or some entertainment value or uh, talking about aliens and reptiles and China and all this kind of stuff. And I believe that the establishment wants people to take an issue and never really focus on the real aspect of it. Maybe it's not entertaining enough, but fundamentally, if you take any of these issues that we face today and you take a systems approach, which is what we teach people, and people need to understand that, that they need to learn this. This is not something your educational system teaches you. The educational system is not teaching people a systems approach. And that's what we do every Monday nights. There's a course people should take if they want to move beyond their own um, uh, incompetency of an understanding that what they do not know. But on the VA Shiva site, we go through in a very deliberate way to do three things, to build community, to educate people, and, and for activism. And all of this is centered around recognizing that 30% of people in the world, you're never going to be able to convince about anything you try to tell them. 20% is composed of change agents, but 50% of the people are well-meaning people who basically are made ignorant by a system which wants to, again, divide people by left and right. So our goal here is to educate people to uh, take a systems approach, but more importantly, to recognize that when you look at the arc of human history, that those in power have a great disdain for working people. I'll repeat this again. Those in power have a great disdain for working people, and they do not want working people to organize bottoms up. So they give people all sorts of distractions, Hollywood being one of them, you know, uh, not giving them the tools to take an issue and think about something in a very rational and practical way. And because of that, people get lost into pro and anti, left and right, etc. And more importantly, is people are not encouraged to apply the scientific method on any issue, which is to take an issue, apply science, which takes, by the way, a lot of effort. It's not easy. And also the value system that those in the, in, in, the, uh, in the elite promote is everything's a quick fix. You know, you do this and you're going to get this. You do this, you're going to get this. And you rant and rave on TV or on some social media and something happens. Nothing happens overnight. We need to build a movement bottoms up and it's going to take a lot of hard work. It's not going to happen by quote unquote patriots. It's not going to happen by Trump. It's not going to happen by Bernie. It's going to happen by you when you decide to get educated and you and you recognize that throughout, particularly in the United States and for that matter in the world, since the late 1800s till today, working people have been absolutely taken advantage of. That's what's going on. And meanwhile, while they're ripping you off, you know, stealing your uh, wallet, people are getting involved in all sorts of uh, idiotic, uh, you know, conspiracy type areas. And that's where they want you to be at. They do not want you to focus on the reality. Right now, if you look at what's going on, the, the forces of power, profit and control are dominating because they do not want working people organizing bottoms up because they know that the conditions of working people today in the United States, for example, if you're making $50,000, you should be making about $120,000. Since 1971, working people, we're gonna to talk to some people today, mothers, teachers, you know, myself as scientist and entrepreneur, over the last 40 years, your wages have been absolutely destroyed. If you're making $50,000 today, you should be making about 120 grand. 95, there's two American pies in the United States, 
one for the for the five percent and the other for the 95 percent and the the 95 apple pie is shrunk and the five percent has grown this is a central issue we need to focus on not get distracted and so the conversation we're going to have today is going to be a very focused conversation so we're going to talk about the issue of masks we're going to um, introduce uh i'm going to do the first thing introduce the different people here we're just going to get quick introduction then i'm going to take a quick review of some of the work we've been doing for the last three years four years on periodontal disease in the mouth why it's important for kids the oral microbiome just give you a quick science we can do a whole nother thing later on but we want everyone to understand that the mouth particularly as kids are growing is central to their health so but let me uh, bring bring people on and introduce everyone so hi everyone so you may want to unmute yourselves. Uh, Sandy, so why don't we just go around, um, if each of, each of you can just say your name and then what you do, your background, if you're a mother, if you're an educator, uh, very quickly. Sandy, go ahead. Hi, I'm Sandy. I'm a director on, in an early childhood program that we serve infants through school age children. Thank you, Sandy. Um, go ahead, Elise. Hi. My name is Elise and I'm a middle school teacher for a school that actually serves K through 12. K through 12, great to have you. Thank you. Crystal, go ahead. Hi, um, I'm a mother um, of a young adult and uh, I have a small business. Great, thanks to have you. And uh, Kristen? Hi, I'm Kristen, and I'm a mom of two boys. Uh, one is in the fifth grade, 11 years old, and the other is uh, almost 16, and he's in the 10th grade. Great, thank you. So let me just um, uh, uh, just refer people to two things that I'm gonna share today. Um, one is, there is a wonderful paper, it's an interesting paper, I'll, I'll take you to, that came out literally at the beginning of, uh, middle of last year and you know it's published it's called the international journal of oral science if everyone can see this here assume everyone can see this let me see maybe you can't let me bring it up okay okay can everyone see that yes good so this paper uh is a scientific paper um that talks about the oral microbiome possible harbinger for children for children's health um i did a whole video on this earlier but let me just take you to the the guts of it right here. The key thing is that if you look at this uh, table right here, the oral microbiome uh, is, uh, you know, has implications on various childhood diseases. What you see in column one is a childhood disease. Column, the second column is the microorganisms in the mouth. The third column is the oral microorganisms uh, would decrease uh, relative, you know, uh, abundance, right? And then here's a study. But what you notice is, so for example, you can look at, you know, childhood dental caries, right? Basically tooth decay. And these are the, um, uh, uh, these are the uh, bacteria in the mouth that start to build when you have dental caries, celiac disease. And you can see the, again, these are the bacteria in the mouth, autism. There's two, um, two particular bacteria. And you can see here, um, uh, Henoch Schnollein uh, purpura disease. He's pediatric appendicitis, pediatric inflammatory bowel disease, 
and pediatric uh, obstructive sleep apnea, which some people may put in the area of SIDS, sudden, you know, affects kids, but sleep apnea, particularly children. So what this research concluded was that the interesting thing with this research is it found that um, when, you know, the, the, the microbiome, um, our research with Forsyth Institute, there's about 700 bacteria in your mouth. Now, the colonization of that bacteria, remember, we're not just human cells. We have about 6 trillion human cells in our body, but we have 60 trillion bacteria in our body, which is called the microbiome. And m most of them, we don't even know what they are. And we have about 380 trillion viruses. So we're a walking jungle. But in the mouth, your mouth also has a set of bacteria. And when a child is born and as a child grows up, right, from the age of zero to let's say when they're adults, the oral microbiome is defining itself in the mouth, which means it's setting itself up. And what this research shows is that the development of the oral microbiome determines a trajectory of that kid's entire health. I'll repeat that again. The development of the, the oral microbiome, which means how the bacteria colonize in the mouth, it directs that child's entire health. And why is this important? Well, your oral health is directly related to many, many diseases. And, you know, we published a, a paper which people can get. We did a whole research symposium on this, the first of its kind in the world, where we looked at oral health and masks. And um, I'll just bring that up very briefly. Uh, we can go back to that if there's any questions that come up. But there is a whole research document that we've done, and people can actually support our research work. You can get it online. I'll walk you through it. But the research actually shows that if you look at this, those people wearing, so here's people not wearing masks, and here's people who do not wear masks. Well, when you do not wear a mask, what our research found out is that at a, at a certain point, let me bring this up. Uh, at a, at a, what's important to realize is that, that um, what's, uh, I think people are there. Uh, what's important to realize is that when you put a mask on, your mouth has certain bacteria in it, certain beneficial bacteria and certain harmful bacteria. Well, when you put the mask on, well, you're changing the environment of the entire area here. And when you put the mask on, the temperature of your mouth goes up by a couple of degrees and the pH, which is a measure of the acidity or the alkalinity of your mouth, in this case, the pH will go down, which means your mouth becomes more acidic because people are breathing through their mouth. When those two phenomena occur, there are particularly three bacteria that we discovered that go up. And those three bacteria are implicated in inflammation of the mouth uh, or the gums you know, uh, bleeding of the gums and cavities and actually a bone loss. So just think about that. So to think that placing a mask does not have an effect, our research at the molecular systems level is finding it's not true. And that's in our uh, paper. Let me just bring that up again. Um, uh, masks and oral health. Let me just go back to that. Um, it's here. And I'll come back to this, but it's a it's a great paper. We just it's up there. It's been published, but uh, people have ordered it. It's called the White Paper on Mass and Oral Health and some Molecular Systems Biology Analysis. So I recommend people go get it. But it's a, it's it's a way you can support our research. But it really details uh, what's going on. But fundamentally, wearing a mask has implications at the molecular systems level. It'll raise the temperature, lower the pH, 
and it affects some bacteria in the mouth. So now that's for adults. Now take it to kids. And this is a whole area of uncharted territory because kids microbiome is just developing. So when you perturb that, which means disturb it, the microbiome may set in different ways. And this is where we don't know what it could do. There's a lot of uncertainty here. And so the kids, and, it, and it'll probably vary by kid to kid. It's not going to be, uh, it's not one size fits all. So by forcing kids to wear the masks, to, uh, you are going to change the microbiome of their mouth. And that change of the microbiome is likely going to affect their future health. So that's the background from the science basis. So let's um, bring in, let's start with, um, let's start with Sandy. Sandy, why don't you tell us, I think it'd be good for people to understand, you know, just walk us through, you know, um, your school when they implemented the masks, right? How that's affected perhaps the kids, the interaction between the teachers and the kids and the parents. Sure. Sure. Um, so when they implemented the masks, um, we, uh, the teachers, um, are struggling with that. I'm struggling with it myself, but watching the children coming in and, and as, as young as three years old um, being um, forced to wear the mask, um, by the our regulations, we have to um, have them change it when, they, when it gets dirty. So uh, if they touch it, which every three-year-old touches their mask, they have to change it. They have to put it in a separate bag and they have to take that home. They have to put a new one on. And this happens um, throughout the day. Um, I started documenting um, now because we're, you know, we're constantly changing the masks. So I'm documenting um, the reasons why children are changing. But what we're also uh, seeing is that uh, not only uh, that is happening, um, and it's hard to keep them on the children. But I've been noticing, and some parents have brought it up to me, that they uh, there's a couple of the children that have developed like a, a, a constant like a cough, like a, um, you know, almost like a <coughs> sound all day long um, when they're wearing the masks. Um, we are... Um, with the with the teachers and with the uh, children uh, given instruction to the children, um, I'm noticing that the children can't hear as well, and vice versa, the teachers can't hear the children as well. Um, so uh, instruction is not being um, clear uh, for the older children. Um, we're noticing that the children are having harder time uh, attending to tasks. Uh, fidgeting, uh, can't focus, and um, and that's a concern for um, especially the first grades through the three three third grade, uh, actually kindergarten through the third grade. Now, with that age, they are complying to the best of their ability. They are keeping them on for the uh, most part, and. Um, and, uh, but we, you know, they do touch them. They do have to change them. And uh, again, you're going through that almost constantly throughout the day. That's interesting, Sandy. So what you're saying is that, I, I think what's interesting is what you said that people can hear. I think what people don't understand, um, may not understand your, your brain is wired. We know when you listen to someone, your brain actually watches their lips 
Yeah. And it also uh, hears their, you know, the, the auditory signal, right? Which is the, the voice. So here the teacher is not able to see the kids. The kids are not able to see here, see the teacher's mouth. And uh, it's really unfortunate, right? It's a completely different experience. From a well, taking it back to the infant level, um, I have a, a, a huge concern for the infants and toddler level. Um, you know, we're seeing the infants. Um, Wait, you know, do that, toddlers have to wear masks? No, they don't have to wear masks, but the teachers have to wear masks um, for, for infants and toddlers. So what I'm noticing, um, I spend a lot of time in the infant room because we have to be assigned to, um, we are broken up in pods. And so I am just happen to be assigned to the infant pod. And so I will cover breaks or I'll go in there and support as needed. Um, and so what I've been working with the, these infants for um, you know a few months, and what we're noticing is uh, a couple of them are developing anxieties, um, and um, two of them are constantly trying to push your the mask off your face, um, and um, the the uh, expression in their face um, when you're you're talking to them uh, is very affect affect. It's it's very flat, and uh, and when they're pushing your mask away, and this happened twice to me already, then they smiled because I smiled. I said, "Oh no, I have to keep it on," and but they smiled for that brief moment. So so uh, you know, children. That's important for especially infants and toddlers. They need to hear. They need to see. Uh, your your lips moving there uh, to hear that articulation in your sound. So I'm really concerned on on that level as well. Yeah. Well. Okay. We'll come back. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. So Elise, Elise, you're another teacher, right? Why don't you share with us uh, again at a high level the experience and maybe some of these stories that you're seeing? Because you're you're a middle school teacher. Sandy goes from kids all the way to what uh, toddlers from infants through grade three. Grade three. And and you're in middle school, right, Elise? Yes, and I teach sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So my students are 11, 12, and 13 years old. Um, and so we have many interventions that have been put into in place um, since September. Um, I'm grateful to have been in person um, from September until currently, and we haven't had to close down our school, um, but the one concern that I have is the students having to wear their masks all day. Um, and that's more than six hours a day. Um, and so students, the masks will only come off if they are having lunch or they eat a snack and they have to replace it with a face mask. Um, and I mean, I'm sorry, with a face shield. And it's an entire process because once that mask comes off, um, and then they put their face shield on when they're done eating. They have to sanitize their face shield um, and put it away. And then they use, they reuse the mask over and over the entire day. Um, I would also like to say that the students have to wear their masks during recess and they have to wear their masks during gym. And so they're sweating, they're breathing very heavily. They're well panting really heavily. Um, and when I think about 
your video on masks and oral health, it really concerns me because the temperature is rising, the acidity is rising, and that really is an optimal environment for bacteria to grow. And my question is, what are they inhaling? And why aren't we talking about the harms of these masks, especially when students have to wear them so long? Um, and I've been reading some literature about masks. And one thing that I found interesting was that face masks um, every two hours need to be replaced. Um, and I also learned that after 150 minutes of use, um, bacteria is already on the mask and students are touching their masks. Um, they're constantly putting them down. They're very thirsty all the time. They're constantly asking me to go get water. Um, like Sandy had mentioned, they're very good about having the mask on. And I've only, you know, heard a teacher say to one of them once, you know, please put your mask on. Um, but, it, you know, it's definitely hard for them. So, 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 so these are middle school is what is that seventh, eighth and ninth or is it six? I forget which. I mean, when I was in school, it was it was I think seventh and eighth was middle school. What, yeah. what is middle school. Middle school for me, uh, I teach sixth, seventh, and eighth grade in middle school. Mm -hmm. So these people are, so these kids are in their development period, right? They're going through puberty 12, 12 13, 14, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And I also want to mention about just the, the teaching aspect of it. Um, it's really difficult to hear them, and it's very difficult sometimes for them to hear me. Um, and when I think about students with certain um learning disabilities or students mm -hmm. with dyslexia who really need that letter sound, you know, they need to watch your mouth and your lips move when you're making these, you know, sounds. And so, and they're not getting that. And it, and it really makes me concerned because I wonder to myself when we don't have to wear masks anymore, um, where are they going to be mm -hmm. in terms of their understanding of language? It's interesting, you know, many, many years ago, uh, I did research in a field called Tadoma. I don't know if you've heard of this field. No. People can Google it, T-A-D-O-M-A, -A, Tadoma. And what Tadoma is, is there are people who are deaf and blind. Okay, so think about if you can't see and you're deaf. So let's say, how do you actually communicate with someone else? Well, um, there's a methodology, I think Helen Keller is the one who came up with it, but it's a methodology that's been developed where um, so you have two deafblind people, the way they communicate, or if a deafblind person wants to communicate with you, they will literally take their hand and they'll put it on your face, okay? And they're able to hear you or they're able to make out what you're saying. And so, to, so back in 83, there was a graduate student at MIT who was trying to figure out how all this was working because they wanted to figure out could they create a device that you could put your hand in. It turns out that the hand... Um, has more um, sensors in one square inch than the eye does, okay? Which means the tactile, right? Uh, vibration um, is extremely important to for language. So when, uh, the point is there's many, many, we have five senses, right? So communication is not only through the ear, it's through all these other senses. So what we learned was there's actually five different signals that the hand was listening to a lot of the vibration. It was, but primarily the upper lip and the lower lip movement, right? Uh, uh, the, the position of the tongue you could get, the position of the jaw. Bottom line is this entire area movement, even your hand can sense it. So when you're not able to see this part, and I'm sure there's 
I mean, we should just do a prior research on this. I bet you there's a whole body of work which talks about the importance of seeing people's physical face, right? Uh, the whole face for conveying information. I mean, I know there's some very interesting research that, that was done on when people get Botox. And what's interesting is when people get Botox, their faces are actually rigid, right? And it turn, turns out that empathy comes from when you can actually see people's wrinkles and movement of their faces. And there is an interesting article saying that people who get Botox may actually be uh, more unempathetic because they're not able to to share their physical. I mean, because you're you're constraining people, right? So there's a body of work that probably will show that when you put these masks on in an educational environment, the um, the significant effect it has on conveying information, conveying emotion, right? Conveying all sorts of things. Um, so I think, Sandy, what you shared was very interesting, but I'm just, we'll come back to you, Elise, but I'm just very curious. Um, I mean, kids in that age, six, seven, and eight, I mean, these, so this is in the classroom, right? This is not over Zoom, right? It's physically in, in the, the classroom. classroom. In the yeah. classroom. Elise, with you, with you in the sixth, seventh, and eighth, I, I want to find out, I mean, that period is where kids are typically figuring out who they are, right? They're trying to uh, be rebellious and how, you know, I'm just curious how they, they're handling it. Before I go there, let's go to uh, uh, Kristen. Kristen, do you want to? Kristen, your kids are homeschooled, right? It's a little bit different. So yes, I have um, two of my boys are at home, and I live in a city where the schools have been closed um, since last year, and actually they just reopened for what they're calling a hybrid model in the city, which means they're uh, the kids in public schools go twice a week, and there are three clusters. So. When uh, the school shut down and they told us that they weren't going to be reopening in September, uh, I made the decision to um, unenroll my younger son who was going to be starting the fifth grade because, uh, you know, it was going to be this whole Zoom, um, you know, remote learning. And at that time, I felt, you know, he had tried it just for three days and I you know, just in those three days, I had a discussion with their dad and my kid's dad. And we decided that, well, since he was going to be home anyway, and I'm basically the teacher aide, and I have to juggle all of this with my job and everything else that, um, you know, we were just going to do our own curriculum. Um, and nothing against the teachers, but I thought, you know, it was difficult. The kids are sitting there, they're bored. My son that's 11, he is like the nicest kid, he sits still in school, never had a problem with him, you know, pays attention. But within those three days of the remote learning, he was just like losing his mind. You know, he was not having a good time sitting in front of that screen. So we, you know, we've been homeschooling since then and I, he really does want to go back. He misses his friends, he really does. And I want that for him too. I want him to be happy. Um, but my bottom line was, okay, uh, you know, to send him back into that environment, my deal breaker is no masks. And I understand that they're required. Um, but again, as a parent, like I've been a parent for a while now, and there are little things that you have to be the first at, like whatever it is. So uh, if they allow us to opt out, if they say, okay, you know what, I'll ask them, I'll ask that question. They're not going to ever give you that option. I know how it is. Like they're never going to come right out and say you can opt out, but you know, I will definitely ask that question. Um, but as for now, as 
right now, um, my son and dad and I have agreed that we'll continue to homeschool till the end of the year. And then we're kind of taking it one day at a time. Um, now with my 15 year old, he is in 10th grade uh, as any teenager, you know, anyone, anyone that's a mom of a teenager, especially a single mom of a teenage boy, it's not, you know, anything I'm gonna say, he kind of wants to do the opposite anyway. So I let him have that autonomy, um, but it was his choice actually to not go back. Um, I didn't want him to go back with this hybrid model. I really, I really didn't, mainly it's again, the mask being the reason, um, but he decided on his own that he would rather just continue with the remote. Um, anyway, I'm sure he had his own reasons for that. And uh, I'm just glad we saw eye to eye in, in the result of that. Uh, but again, it's interesting to hear the teacher's perspective because now my 15 year old ha has dyslexia and he's had a lot of these interventions since, you know, early grade school. And it, what you guys were just talking about is exactly 100%. I mean, the language, you know, being able to see. And I remember too, I mean, I'm not a trained educator, but when you were talking about the hands and some of the interventions that they use for the kids involve tapping with fingers and mouth, your mouth and everything else. So, you know, I see with my younger son, um, I think he may have some, you know, uh, touch of dyslexia as well. So just being able to go at our own pace has been really helpful. Um, so, you know, I would just, the reason I wanted to share tonight is because I know that I'm not the only parent dealing with this, but sometimes you feel like you're the only one. And for the teachers, like I know the teachers are dealing with it too. And it's like, um, you know, with my son that's 15, again, he's he's a young young adult. I, I try to treat him, you know, he, he has his own mind. Um, so, you know, I don't force him to, to wear a mask, not wear a mask, because again, it's fruitless for me to do, do that anyway, because we're just going to butt heads. But he, you know, he understands where I'm coming from. And he agrees with me. But as a teenager, in his mind, um, you know, he tells me that he doesn't want to rock the boat. You know, he says, Mom, you know, I go out, I go to the store, I'm with my buddies, you know, we're all going to the store, people are already looking at us like we're doing something wrong. He, you know, again, having these learning issues, a lot of the teachers haven't been very good. They've kind of, you know, told him he wasn't trying. So he kind of has that feeling already of being talked down to and sticking out. And I think a lot of kids don't want to, they don't want to stick out at that age. <laughs> you don't want to be that one kid who's, who's not wearing the mask. So um, I'm glad he's not back for now, but again, it's one day at a time uh, and it's really hard it's not just about me, it's about my children too. And they're at that age too, like middle school age, high school age, like they're coming into their own. Um, you know, it's it's not any easier when they're babies, it's hard too. Like it's all, so I'm just trying to really do the best I can um, and, and hopefully lead by example so that my kids as they grow up and become young men, that they'll know how to navigate these challenges that are are coming at them. So fast, I'm trying to model like, okay, this is how you deal with this situation. And sometimes I don't do it well, but um, we talk afterwards and we process afterwards. And I let them, you know, tell me how they feel. And I say, you know, I'm not perfect, but I love you. And we're gonna, you know, you know, I, I just want them to know, like, not let anyone ever make them feel like they're not smart enough, or that they just because they don't have a medical degree or they don't have haven't read this. Paper. Sure, one second. So, so one second. Let me yeah. just let me just get Crystal in. So, Crystal, sure. <laughs> Crystal, you're in Nebraska, right? That's where you're out. So, so what are you seeing there among other your 
mothers and maybe with your own experience, because I know you have an older son. You got to unmute yourself. Crystal, you got to unmute. Yep. There it goes. Yep, go ahead. I do have an older son. And when COVID started, obviously uh, he was in college and that all got shut down and it moved completely remote. And, you know, when it first started, you just thought, okay, it'll go back, but it never did. Um, and, you know, he was taking math classes and things of that nature that really is best to be taught face to face, you know, to be able, they also had math labs. That's very important when you take math. Um, you know, just to be able to have uh, that study time, if you will. Um, and so eventually when they never went back, they didn't even attempt a hybrid for a very long time at his college. We just stopped because the tuition price didn't change. And what I found fascinating is a lot of these teachers had to learn on the fly how to teach remotely. And... They just wouldn't show up for class sometimes. <laughs> and so if they didn't do well on their assignments or the exams, they still got graded a certain way, but they weren't having the actual learning time. I mean, you just can't make it up. Um, so that's what I would say about having uh, an adult child in college. And right now he's working, and he's working in a fast-paced uh, restaurant environment. And he said for the first time, and I was like, I can't believe you didn't say anything until now, that he's getting dizzy and feeling like he could pass out at any given time while he's at work just because it's, it's fast paced, like, you know, restaurant type of a situation. And so I guess that's what I'm seeing personally as a mom. And I've heard so many stories about other mothers and listening to everybody here, they've, you know, we've got sandy who's working with infants and elise who's working with the middle school and Kristen, who has a little bit from both you know uh teens you know and then my son and it's like i can't imagine what it'd be like to be any of those kids living life under the situation what are they supposed to think and do it's very it's very um fascinating Thanks, Chris. At least what I want to understand is are in the middle school. Um, uh, I'm just going to have to uh, mute you for Crystal is in the middle school. So when, when you think about sixth, seventh and eighth, you know, eighth grade, that's teenagers, right? Yes. So tell talk to us about a little bit about uh, how many of these students are fine or any of them saying, hey, I'm not going to wear these masks. Um, and if you can give us some insight, so, you know, you have probably a whole range of different parents. How many of the parents are fine with it and how many of them are upset? Have they expressed their views? Like, I guess what I want to find out is if you take a hundred kids in the middle school, would you say 90% of the kids are absolutely fine? Like, or they don't know a difference because clearly they, this is a big difference, right? Because a year ago they didn't have to wear masks. So if, if you can just give us an idea of the contrast of the kids and how the parents of those kids are dealing with it. And are they just, this is cool, we're fine with it. Go ahead. Well, what I'll say is that um, at the beginning of the year, 
my administration team and I guess the, just the school offered for parents to either send their kids, their kids in person or they can opt to do remote learning. Um, and so I would say that we've had many students prefer remote learning. Of uh, the students that are in person will comply and they'll wear their masks and their parents are fine with them wearing their masks. Um, but in terms of the students that are remote, you know, it, it, I don't know the reason for why they wanna be remote, um, but I, I honestly wonder if it's because they have to wear the masks. Well, the question I got is, do you find that it's, it's going to be sort of, maybe you don't have the answer, but if you, from your own intuition, would you say the kids that, I mean, I would think if I'm a parent and I have two, uh, you know, the mother and the father are both working, they can't afford to do remote learning, right? right? So they have to send the kids in. And then if you have two, you know, working class parents, let's say one parent is an electrician, the other parent is, I don't know, a custodian worker, right? There's no way that they can keep the kids at home, right? Correct. So, so the question I have is, would you say that from an economic standpoint, that wealthier parents are typically can opt to do the remote learning and the, you know, less wealthy people have to do, they can't afford that. So they're going to send their kids. Do you have any insight on that? Just from what you know, with, with the kids and their parents and their economic backgrounds? I would say, I'm not quite sure, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that it's been, it's definitely been an issue having certain kids at home um, with parents who are constantly working. Um, and we've had students um, who had very difficult times being remote when their, their parents are not home. Um, but I don't really, I'm, I'm not quite sure I know the answer to the question. Uh-huh. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is that if you have two working parents, there's no way they can, I, they would have to hire someone else at home to be at home, right? Go right. ahead, Sandy, I think, Sandy, go ahead. So I have, um, I have a wide range of families. I have scientists, I have doctors, I have teachers, I have you know, a whole wide range of, of families at my program. Um, I'm seeing that most definitely um, the families that I had prior to, uh, to COVID are gone because they can work from home or they hired a nanny to, to do that uh, support. Um, and whereas, you know, the average, like the electrician, like you're talking about this, the, um, the teacher, um, the CNA worker, um, they do have their children in a program because they have no choice. Um, so, oh, so, you're saying, so, so you're saying someone who's a CNA, a work, uh, a single mother who has to work, she's going to put the kids into your program. So they're going to have to wear the masks. Versus if, if you have a, a, you know, a reasonably upper middle class wealthy person, they'll go hire a nanny who and they'll pull the kid out and they'll stay at home. Right. And then have the kid do the remote learning. Yes. And, and, and I can't give you exact numbers, but I was reviewing that uh, not too long ago and um, an estimate we had uh, 131 students prior to COVID. Sorry, sorry, 130. Um, and um, 
only 60 came back by, you know, the middle of, uh, from June to, to um, let's see, it was June through August. And um, most of those families that uh, did come back are definitely um, having to work, you know, even including nurses, doctors, you know, um, those as well. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know the exact, um, you know, uh, numbers, but we've definitely seen, um, you know, that correlation happen. Yeah. Well, let me ask all of you. Go ahead, Kristen. Can say in where I live in the city, um, because all of the schools have been basically shut down. There was no, no in-person option. Uh, whether you're a working parent or not, you know, your kid went to public school, there was no in-person option. Um, so I would say certain people that can afford it um, would send their children to a private school. That's one no, you know, noticeable trend. Uh, but the other thing, we had gone through this earlier in the year <clears throat> where, uh, so again, there's a lot of economic diversity here in, in where I live and a lot of, um, you know, people that are lower, like don't even have jobs. Uh, myself personally, I work, I'm blessed to be able to work from home right now. My children's dad is a laborer. So like totally working class people. Um, but, you know, I was noticing that, um, you know, a lot of parents were stuck now with having their kids at home. They weren't able to get to their jobs. So kids are now like sometimes being left alone like there was like nothing um, it was causing a lot of stress on the family. And um, so for me, you know, I kind of said I, I was watching what they were doing remotely. And this is not against all teachers, but a lot of it, I realized, you know, it's you can just kind of play a Khan Academy video for your kid. It, it's a lot less stressful than the stress that was happening. Like, again, what I'm trying to say is that we were all in, in our city. It was remote for everybody. And again, it worked may work for some people, but you know, like parents have to go to work and not everybody can work from home. Uh, so like I said, a lot of these kids were being kind of left to their own devices. And, you know, as you guys as educators know, like it's hard being on the other side of a screen to really monitor the kids and how they're doing. So I hope that helped, but it's definitely an issue here. So, so let me ask you something. We've, uh, uh, so, if, so if you consider the following, right? If you look at the science, right? The science says that when you're young, the microbiome in your mouth, right? So again, for people joining new, the microbiome is a bacterial colony in your mouth, all right? And and by the way, we've done a whole hour, hour and a half, a long symposium on this we did about last year. But the the mouth is directly connected to so many different functions in your body, your brain, you know, leading to brain health. It's related to bone health, osteoporosis related to inflammation. It's related to pancreatic cancer. It's related to pretty much every major subsystem in your body because the mouth, you know, it's, it's a thing that's open to the world, right? Everything is open to the world. Um, so if, if we just step back and just use again, common sense, a systems approach, you look at the whole body and you realize that the mouth, is one of the most critical points that connects to every subsystem in your body. The adapt, the innate immune system begins in the mouth. Your mouth has 
bacteria which go back to your throat, which go down to your gut, right? So you're looking at 60 trillion different bacteria, which ultimately have an origin somewhere in your mouth, let's say, okay? I mean, they're all interconnected. But as I mentioned, many, pretty much every major disease, cardiovascular disease, right? Uh, we directly know that when you go to the dentist, you have to be careful if you're getting a lot of cavity work done. People, sometimes people take a prophylactic antibiotic or something, because if you have heart issues, that the bacteria in your mouth can go affect your bloodstream. So if you just, just say, you know what? The mouth is like the doorway to health. It's also the doorway to many different diseases. Okay, so let's just keep that as one principle. Now you look at a young child, particularly between the age of zero to 18, the microbiome in the mouth is just starting to develop. It's laying down, it's called like the brain, you know, when it's, it's called plasticity, which means that what happens during this very, very 18 years will affect the entire trajectory, right? Of your own health. So the fact is besides, I think our movement, no one else has even talked about this. We were the first ones interconnected at the molecular level. Um, we, we now know many dentists are reporting that they're seeing doubling of the number that people who had no dental issues, no bleeding, they're seeing doubling of the number of patients have this who never had any issues. So we know this masks is affecting, whether you believe it or not anecdotally, but we know at the molecular systems level, it affects um, the state of the mouth, which affects diseases. So if you look at a kid and you're in middle school and we know zero to 18, it's affecting kids, you as educators, what do you think, you know, we'll talk about we did, you know, as part of our movement, we, we have those cards that we've done, right? Where the cards can educate the parents. Um, so the question is, what do you, given those two things, what do you, do you feel obligated in any way as, as parents or mothers or teachers, right? To share this knowledge with, your co-teachers, right? Your colleagues, um, with, with parents, with the kids, because it's basically in some ways whistleblowing, right? Cause you could lose your job over it. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Knowing what I just said as an MIT trained PhD, who's looked at this understanding that the mouth, I mean, and just going back to those, that paper that I just brought up earlier. Um, it's a great title. If you bring it up, it says, Oral microbiome, let's go back to that. It says harb possible harbin harbinger, right? Which means the future of, a ch of children's health. And what they did was they mapped out here um, in this paper. I mean, there's uh, um, that all of the different, you know, you look at many of the children's health conditions, celiac disease, celiac disease, right? Pediatric appendicitis, they're directly related to the oral microbiome. And the other piece, just to set a data point here, as you guys respond to this, is when you look at this and we go here, let me go back to this. And I bring this, you know, and this is a paper that anyone can get, is that this interesting diagram at the end, um, which clearly shows that if you do not wear a mask, right, your pH, um, increases, which should be alkaline. You have the right bacteria in your body of healthy biofilm. When you wear the mask, your pH is going to go down, right? Which means acidic. You get these orange means you get more of the, the, the wrong bacteria in your mouth. 
And this, um, you know, leads to fermentable uh, carbohydrates and pathogens. So this thing we know tilts the entire balance in your oral cavity. So, you know, given that now you guys know this, what do you guys feel obligated as uh, educators to do? And, and, and if you don't want to answer, this is fine. But Sandy, why don't you share this? Because I know, you know, you're in a leadership position where you are, right? So tell yeah. us about how, how you feel knowing that, you know, and by the way, these kids are wearing the mask eight hours all the way through. Yep, eight hours. Some are some of their eight hours, some of their six hours, some of their eight and a half, nine hours. Absolutely. So I just want everyone to listening to hear that. So this is this is I, I think even in the medical environment, um, they change their masks. Right. Um, like in a uh, they you know, the N95s, you can't wear them more than two hours. You get migraines. But these kids, if I understand the actual scenario from what you guys are telling me, they're wearing the same mask for six, eight hours, right? No less than six hours, but they're wearing them for this long periods of time. Is that right? That's correct for the uh, four years and up for me. Yeah. Uh, the three-year-olds, it's a struggle. So we're, you know, that's, it's a slight uh, different scenario that we're constantly changing them or the teachers are helping them uh, change them. But as far as obligation, I, I feel like I, I think it's, it's a huge obligation to inform families. Um, of course, you know, being in a leadership position, I have to be careful. Um, but um, there, you know, there are creative ways you can inform families. And, um, but if, um, but I also think that the dental industry also needs to be uh, part of that as well. Just throwing it out there. Um, but they're going to make, but they're going to make more money, right? Their industry is going to yes, grow. Yes, of course they are going to make more money. But for me, because I love the children, um, I feel like, um, you know, I need to protect children. So I am going to do all that I can to inform families uh, in, in discreetly as possible. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. How about you, Elise? How, how are you dealing with it, knowing some of the science that we've been sharing? Well, I want to say that I, I do feel obligated to share this information with with parents, with students, and with my administration team. Um, and I think the problem is, is that people who are pushing these masks are afraid. And when I think about the people that I work with, they're all promoting masks and they're all afraid. So the question is, how do you approach this conversation with people who are fearful? And I think what that needs what needs to happen is that we need to assess where we are. Like, you know, how are we doing with the math? Um, our students, you know, how many of our students have tested positive? And I can tell you that in the entire middle school, which I want to say we have like under 200 students, we only had three positive cases. And they quarantined, we were all okay. Nobody, they didn't catch it at school. Um, and nobody in school tested positive. Um, and so, again, assess where we are. And I think that's the way that we can present data and, and the findings. Um, you know, and, and even maybe survey parents. Um, there was a study 
Well, let, let, me, let, 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 let's, let me ask you this, okay? Um, I don't, I looked at, I think about several months ago, I think the percentage of kids who've died of COVID is like 0.0001. It's like, it's like a, uh, it's, it's not even a, a number that's even worth looking at in, in the sense of the percentage of kids that have actually died. And someone can correct me if I'm wrong. So this is not a disease that goes and kills kids, right? Right, exactly. Right. I, I, I think the number of kids that are dying from other issues would probably be an order of magnitude a thousand times more than this. And I, we could probably lay out what those diseases are, right? Childhood, exactly. childhood diabetes, right? Right. Okay. Even, um, and I have even here, if we look at it in context, um, I was listening to a doctor, approximately 675 children die every year in traffic collisions. Uh, every year, about 350 drownings in young children. Um, in the 2019-20 season, it took the lives of 125 children. So for a disease that has like a, in children, a 99.997 survivability rate, why are we wearing masks? I don't think the children are, are um, going to spread it to other children or even to us. And I think that if people, you know, older people, 60s and above, who are, who have compromised immune systems need to protect themselves, I think that they should be able to protect themselves. But I, I just don't think masks are the way to go, um, particularly with students. But it's, it's really difficult to, you know, say that at a faculty meeting. Um, because so, so let me ask you a question. So you said a lot of these teachers are afraid, right? Yes. Okay. So give me an example, if, if you care, of a conversation you've had with one of these teachers. You go to them and say, hey, look, you know, these masks could be harmless um, or harmful. Just give us sort of what that looks like. What's that conversation between you and another teacher or parent look like? If, if you can share with that. Conversation is more like, I wear my mask to protect you. And you wear your mask to protect me. So it's all about like this false sense of safety. Um, and I'm trying to think like maybe um, it's like out of sight, out of mind. So if I don't see your nose or I don't see your mouth, it's like, oh, I'm safe because coronavirus, you know, is spread by just like the the, the virons and coughing and hacking. Um, but I have to say, I haven't yet had a conversation with teachers um, in depth about wearing masks. Um, I, I think I, I have to think about how I'm going to approach this. So, so let me ask you a question. Suppose you went to that teacher and you said, hey, look, the virus particles are like a mosquito going through a chain link fence. And you showed him that, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to go through this. Suppose you went to that teacher and say, look, if that's if, if we really want to protect the kids from what you believe is this thing that's going to that the mask. Suppose you told them, look, I think we should all wear hazmat suits. No, no, I'm being serious because. Yeah. If you just follow this logic all the way through, which is, okay, I must protect. I'm so, so they're telling you in almost a, you wear the mask, it'll protect me. I'm going to wear the mask to protect you, right? Suppose you told them, look, scientifically, you're going to have to wear, I mean, even the CDC is going to have to wear three or four masks, right? To protect, to make sure the stuff doesn't go through. And that doesn't talk about all the other ways, right? That it can happen, right? 
what would you what would you think they would say if you told them look if the goal is protecting people from the spread of this virus why don't we all wear hazmat suits or why don't we all take antimicrobials into our body like vitamin d3 right. vitamin d3 you know 50,000 papers written on it producing antimicrobial proteins why aren't we handing out to kids in the classrooms when they come in and the parents giving kids a vitamin d3 shot right or giving so do you think it's a possibility to have a logical conversation with people saying okay you're right yeah we got to protect our elderly and 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 by the way this is old grandmothers and if you get sick you stay at home right you're not supposed this is just normal common sense but what we're saying is everyone should stay at home now because the virus is so deadly and we should protect ourselves so then the question comes down if you follow that path all the way through how do you protect yourself, quote unquote, protect yourself? And what we've been arguing, you know, with all the work we've been doing since March of last year, we're the first ones to do it. We say you got to boost the immune system. And if you have kids who have, who have, you know, obese, right? You have kids who are eating sugars. You have kids who are not healthy. You're not protecting their, the mask is not protecting their immune system. It's not supporting their immune system. So I've been thinking about a model where you say, okay, yes, we want to protect you and your kids. These are the ways you can protect you and list all of them. Like mm -hmm. you can take vitamin D3, you can take vitamin A, you can, uh, if you're really sick, you should stay at home, right? You can eat better food, you can get exercise, and, and you can put masks on there and you, and you have 10 items and then you rated them and you say masks only have a 0.001% effect. These other things, look at what they have. So do you think if you gave someone a little card and you say, look, yeah, you're right. I too believe, yeah, you're, you, you don't, don't argue with them. You say, yeah, we have to protect ourselves. To me, protecting means we wear a shield around uh, ourselves. And that shield could be a chemical shield, right? Which is healthy foods, which is right. You walk them through that. Do you think these people would understand that? They'd be open to it? I can I interject here? Um, I yeah. actually had that conversation with, yeah. with a few of my staff. And um, we come back to, uh, yes, I understand that. Or um, maybe one out of the group uh, did not. But uh, most of them said, yes, we understand that. But we're, it's, it's a mandate. We still have to wear it no matter what at work. So, um so, 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 so suppose we did an economic analysis, Sandy, and suppose we did this economic and we said, okay, you can wear the mask and here's the economic analysis of how it's going to affect your kid. Like you do a, an analysis that over the next 20 years, your kid's going to, you you could, you could do a risk-based analysis. You could say for a population of hundred kids, it's not going to affect everyone, but let's say 20 kids are going to have this issue which is gonna cause you and the government, I don't know, a million bucks. So you're gonna spend 20 million bucks on your kid from the mask related issues, or you could spend five cents on vitamin D3, you know, and then we could protect the kids this way. What I see, what I'm, you know, our movement is really about educating people, educating, and we're trying to figure out how to educate people. There's 30% of people who are, who are nuts. You're never gonna be able to convince them of anything. We've talked about that. The 20% are change agents, right? But the 50%, I think, are well-meaning people. So, you know, 
we've done the research on oral health and mass. We have the research on vitamin D3, right? We have all of this research. I think this has to be go to people's pocketbooks, ultimately, because um, if, let's say the teachers, right? You have the teachers wearing masks, okay? Well, if you take the teachers and you tell them, and you tell them, look, your teacher's union gives you only two dental cleanings per year, okay? I don't know how many cleanings they do as part of the dental dental program, like, you know, um, and you went to them, look, by you wearing this for eight hours, you're going to increase your chance of your teeth falling out at an earlier age of gum bleeding, of getting periodontal disease, which affects all these other diseases. So you take someone, if, look, if you have a family of cardiovascular disease, the masks are going to, so if you, we laid it out like that to that individual teacher and said, look, you need to find, wear the masks if you want to. But you better make sure that you have, they better give you increased insurance. They better, if you have to suddenly go do some serious, um, uh, you know, root canals or gum, because you're, you know, those copays only cover, right? They only cover up to so much, your deductibles, right? So do you think, because I think people need to be hit economically. So fine, the government right now, the, the strategy that they're doing, I think Elise or uh, one of you guys said, is they're going to force, government is going to force companies to impose, so the government can say, oh, we have nothing to do with it. The, comp the companies are doing it. But it's the fascism is going to occur through the companies. So government will tell the companies, government will tell the school, you need to do this, otherwise we're going to turn off your funding, da, 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 right? So government will tell these entities called schools and private institutions. The pushback to that, what I'm hearing you guys say is the teachers are essentially falling in line except people like you guys, right? Most of them, 90% of them. Well, the pushback could be the teachers themselves if they recognized that this is gonna affect their mouth. This is gonna affect their disease state and this is gonna cost them more money. Suppose we could calculate for a teacher by wearing masks that it's going to, the, the mask solution is going to cost you, I don't know, over the next years, $20,000 additionally, right? Or $5,000. I don't know what that number is. I don't know what it is, right? But if you take vitamin D3, if you take this and you can breathe the air, like if you take the solution wearing masks and, and you work all the risk, this is going to be 5,000 bucks. This is going to be a hundred bucks. All right. And we were able to package that in such a way. Do you think that it was done in a very powerful scientific way? You can say, look, you can do this or this. Yes, we want to protect you. But this is going to lead to you spending over your next year on average around five grand more for your teeth, for your self-care, health care versus this is going to only cost you 100 bucks and you're going to be healthier, happier and you're going to get all these other benefits. Do you think they would get that message? I'm sorry, go ahead. I think so. And I think that um, they need to have it spelt out like that uh, to them. Because I can tell you, um, they're not getting that from, you know, the companies or or the unions. Um, they're definitely not getting that information, but um, spelt out to where it's, it's, it's visual in hand and and uh easy to follow absolutely they would 
benefit and they would go. No, let me just, I, I want to just take a quick break because people are uh, asking some interesting questions. Uh, what I want to do is I want to come back and talk about solutions. Okay. And, and before I do that, everyone here knows that, you know, we're committed to not only just whining about the problem. That's not, doesn't get us anywhere. Right. I'm, I'm saying we're not, that's not, we're committed. We're committed to actually changing the, the trajectory of all of this. And if you step back and look at it right now, big pharma, if you go, I, I don't like conspiracy theories at all. And I think everyone needs to walk away from all of them. Okay. If there is a conspiracy theory, so look at the flow of money, capital. All right. If you look at big pharma, the, the big pharmaceutical companies over the last 20 years, they're, they're tanking. Okay. And what I mean by that is the entire pharmaceutical industry is tanking because their pharmaceutical drugs are causing all sorts of side effects. People are suing them. And what's interesting is that year over year, pharmaceutical companies spend more and more and more money and less and less new drugs are being found out. And the reason everyone needs to get this, okay, forget all the conspiracy theory, China, aliens, you know, reptile people, I hear all this crap, okay? And I think this is done by the establishment so we, we do not focus on the real issue. The real issue is big pharmaceutical companies are losing money. They're in a trillion dollar peril, you know? I've been talking about this for 20 years. Their only way out of this is the use of jabbing people, okay, inoculations. Because that the the that industry is does cannot uh, you can't sue a vaccine manufacturer. You can't sue them. You cannot sue them. You can sue a pharmaceutical company. You take Lipitor, you take ibuprofen, you take a drug and it hurts you. Anyone can sue them in federal court, but you cannot sue them. Thank you to the Kennedys. Okay. So what we have right now is a industry which is tanking from pharmaceutical drugs. They have to switch to this new model and they have to do it quickly. So what's fascinating to watch is that in countries like they're seeing countries where they're giving these shots, right? And the number of cases is actually going up. However, they're, they're going to come up with a number, mark my word, and it's probably going to be around 70%. They're going to say, you need to give 70% of your population the shots before you're going to see the effect. Mark my word, that's what's going to happen. And mark my word, there's going to be certain countries who work with these big pharma. We're going to be Israel being one of them. Watch very carefully. Okay. Israel's like this in bed with Pfizer right now. Okay. And what we're going to see very shortly is saying we need to get 70% of the population inoculated to have that effect. So in order to do that, they have to execute a way of putting people into a, it's marketing. It's like Yelp, right? Yelp gives you better ratings if you buy their membership. I don't know if you know that. You know how Yelp works? If you own a restaurant, people will complain. They, they, I, I've heard they even hire people to complain against you. And then to remove the complaint, you gotta buy the Yelp membership, okay? So what's happening in this area is there are countries who are a little bit shy about whether they wanna get their people jabbed. So those countries, they're going to say, look, the rates are going up and up and up. And suddenly when you hit 70 percent, look, look at Israel, look what's happened. So if that's the case, you need to create an environment of tremendous fear 
you need to create an environment of tremendous control, right? It's not about public health. It's not about health at all because it's about selling. Big Pharma needs to sell, 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 sell because Big Pharma is crashing. This is their new market. So I want everyone to focus, just follow the money, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money, okay? Forget the QAnon nonsense, okay? It's gonna lead you nowhere. Forget you know the rept reptile people nonsense, it's gonna lead you nowhere. The establishment wants people to think like that and they're gonna use that to say, oh, see, these people are crazy. The real issue here is that big pharma is tanking. They need a payday. And that payday is what we're talking about right now. And in order to execute that payday, they gotta have everyone falling in line. That's all it is, period. It's a big marketing campaign because big pharma is a trillion dollar industry. It's not a million dollar industry, it's a trillion dollar industry. And when a trillion dollar industry is crashing, they need to figure out a way to go look at Pfizer's revenue. 10 years ago, it was $65 billion. Last year, because remember, they're losing patents. I think their patent on Viagra, these kind of drugs are going away. It's down to 40 billion. Pfizer has lost $25 billion in revenue in 10 years. That's two and a half billion dollars per year. It's predicted these jabs will bring up their revenue among all the four major pharma companies by 45 billion. They're gonna have an explosive growth. I think we need to, and all of this is being done on the backs of working people, all of it. And that's why I'm telling you the teachers, the mothers, the working people, we need to put this in economic terms. Without economic terms, talking about, yeah, Bill Gates is an asshole, okay? You know, yes, Hillary Clinton is whatever, right? You know, they're probably involved in all sorts of issues, right? But I think we're getting diverted from that versus focusing on the central issue, which is big pharma is tanking. I just saw the stats I went to, you, everyone go check it out. 2011 to now, Pfizer has lost $25 billion in revenue, okay? People aren't buying their drugs. The FDA is not even allowing their drugs through, okay? So who is, so you have big pharma, big elitist organizations, them saying, shit, we're gonna be out of business. What do we do? We need to make sure everyone takes our stuff and we need to create an environment of fear. And that's what we have right now. And that's what, at least that you're sharing with me, fear, 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 and a false sense of protection by doing this action, you're gonna get public health. And that's why, you know, I wanna play this video, but I, I wanna encourage everyone to understand that when you take a systems approach, you will not get distracted listening to reptile issues, wristling to, no, that I'm telling you, listening, and that's what Trump did to all of us. Trump screwed us all for the last four years. He totally screwed us. QAnon, QAnon, ninth dimensional chess, da da da. Meanwhile, his son-in-law, who's like this with UAE, United Arab Emirates, and with the government of Israel, it, by the way, he's getting a $500 million, 100 to $500 million loan from them. Jared Kushner took in 250 million, his company did from George Soros. And Trump got 120 million from Soros, okay? So we need to wake up as working people to stop talking left or right, to realizing 
both of these people want to destroy working people. It's about making money. They just want to freaking make money. That's it. They don't care. Vitamin D3 is only a billion dollar market. Okay. Pharma is a trillion dollar market. It's got about a thousand more zeros on it. Vitamin D3 doesn't make them money. So I, I want everyone to, I'm going to play our video and we'll come back, but I want you to think about what I'm saying. And I want all of you to get educated. Are you going to be enslaved? They want to make you fat, dumb, and stupid. They want you to live in fear. And through that process, you will believe, I mean, I got, I got some guy calling me, oh my God, we got to help Trump out. We got to help Trump out. You have Mike Lindell running out there saying Trump's going to be in office on August. This is nuts. As though Trump is our fighter. He's not. He had four years to fight. He didn't bring people to fight. Fauci was allowed to stay. Nothing substantive occurred. So people need to get your head out of you know what. Okay. And I'm going to play our video because this movement and the discussion we're having here with Elise, with Kristen, with Sandy, with Chris, with Crystal, this is the kind of discussion every one of you needs to start having with your neighbors. Do not trust politicians. Screw the Democrats and Republicans. They're not going to help you one freaking bit. We need to go educate teachers and parents to say, what is this going to do to you? What is happening to your wallet? Okay, so let me just play our video and we'll come back. But that's, we need to get back to actual reality or you're basically saying, I want, I want to be screwed. Please screw me. That's what you're trying to say. So by the way, everyone should go to vashiva.com. And as Sandy and Elise were saying, you know, when you join our movement, our movement is really built on many, many things. I just want to show you the dashboard. But one of the things is we have, um, you know, when people sign up, you don't have to pay anything to sign up. People can become a member. Uh, you can get access to a lot of different things. But when you go to the website and you sign up as a, um, you can, when you get to the website, we have, you know, how to get started. There's featured videos. You know, we have this masks and oral health card. Anyone can print it out. It's free. You're welcome. It's open sourced, printed out, but it really talks about mass and oral health, building awareness of the risks of masks to you and your child. I think about a couple hundred thousand of these printed out nationally. Okay. Or all over the world. We know people everywhere. And it really, on the back of the card, it says, here's the science. The oral microbiome is critical to overall health. What we've talked about the child's oral microbiome development is a predictor of future health systems biology the work that we've done reveals mass disrupt the oral microbiome dentists are reporting increase in oral health they should hear the public health implications for everyone listening we need risk assessment of masks to oral health we need to provision for coverage of emerging dental issues perhaps we should give tax credits for parents choosing homeschool option and education and investment in scientific research on mask issues but the the important point is that when you go to the website Everyone has access to all of these tools. There's the forum where people can actually start. Anyone who joins as a member, you can literally go on the site and you can literally start having conversations with people, you know, and there's tons and tons, thousands of conversations. And this is in our own infrastructure. Oops. I think I need to, let me stop. I, when I share the screen and I don't share the whole screen, let me do this. You guys can't see it, but here we go. Okay. So you'll see here, there is a thing called a forum, okay, where people can have these conversations, et cetera, right? Uh, here's a health forum, but we have thousands of people, thousands of conversations taking place um, uh, all over the country um, in, an, in an environment where you're not gonna get kicked off, okay? So these are all these different conversations taking place. But let me just play the video and we'll come back to this. 
Let me go to uh, vashiva.com. But I want to encourage everyone to become a truth, freedom, and health warrior. But if you go to the website right on the main page, you can go to vashiva.com slash join. And you can support this movement. Um, but it's really your movement. It's not this movement. So let me play this for everyone. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to. And we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing. There is a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders we don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours is what I've started doing. That's the solution. You got to train people. First with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work united. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, we don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people. They have to go local, to go local, to go local. Fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics. And there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you on the left and the right. The Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow, you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. 
you know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own, quote-unquote, people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to bashiva.com, and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics, and I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms-up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V as in Victor, A, Shiva, VAShiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, and health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. But we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. All right. So I hope that was helpful. But let's talk about so part of what we talked about in that video is we need to build a bottoms up movement. And, and this thing, nothing is going to happen on any of these issues if we don't recognize that we have to go educate working people that they're the ones who are ultimately getting screwed in all of this. Otherwise, it's going to be little isolated fights, right? Well, there'll be a fight here on the mask issue, a fight here on what's going on, with people getting jabbed, a fight here on the election issue. And all these issues have the same enemy. The same enemy is those people who want to perpetuate a dialectic of pro and anti, right? Republican and Democrat, um, you know, left and right. And as long as we are caught in that, we're gonna, it's, it's like basically the criminal is over here showing you some, you know, he's getting you involved in some crisis, right? Whether it's a mass thing. And, and then he's got the other guy just stealing your pocket, pickpocketing you. That's what's actually going on. So they're fine with all of us having this discussion about masks. They're fine with people talking about, you know, conspiracy theories, why the masks are fine. I mean, people are saying, oh my God, the vaccine is for transhumanism and this is it. Okay, that, that's all interesting conversation. And then they want people to get so demoralized. Oh my God, they're gonna do this for you. They're gonna, like, they are so powerful. And that's most of the conversation that's going on right now, 90%. That's the quote unquote opposition conversation. It's not going anywhere and it won't go anywhere because it's not founded on economics of working people. So I think what I'd like to, you guys to share with is, I mean, everyone here is a working person, right? We're not the Kennedys. We're not the Trumps. We're not Ivanka who can just whatever, right? Uh, you know, just be her, right? A social elite, right? We're talking about working people. And ultimately, these things are going to affect the health of working people. And they don't care because when the health of working people is affected, cha-ching, more drugs are sold. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. So, so I think this has to be communicated in such a way that people understand, hey, you're a teacher. This is going to affect you. So go ahead, um, Crystal. Why don't, why, don't you, why don't you start, Crystal? And then, Kristen, go ahead. 
You need to unmute yourself. Yep. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yep, go ahead. Um, well, I, I'm not really sure. Like, this has all been great information, and I truly believe that the science um, just points that this would affect somebody's immune health, um, it, let alone psychological health and other things. What I've been doing is when I do go to standouts of any sort or just throughout anything that I do during the day, it doesn't matter if I stop at a store or wherever I go, I, I always have these in my car and then I do give them out. So, and sometimes I'll make like little packs of like five and 10 to give to other mothers. To yeah, why did you tell what those are? Those are, oh, those are the cards, right? Yeah, I put them in packs of like 10 or 20, depending on the person talking to how serious I think they are and I'll give them to other mothers to share wow. with other mothers so that's what I'm doing as far as how I'm using the tools that are on the dashboard that you provide and um, yeah I mean that's I know I was proud of my son because uh, he last night was the first time he decided and he like text messaged me about it that he took off his mask and Somebody at work told him to put it back on. It was another coworker. It wasn't the boss. And he said, no, like, I need to breathe, right? And so that coworker told on him. And then um, the boss came over to him and said, if you need to take off your mask, like, go ahead. And then she took off hers. So it's interesting that if you have the... Wow, that's pretty amazing. I thought it was. I was pretty yeah. I was pretty happy and unhappy for him. I, I just wish he could just, you know, not ever put it back on but, and and live a young, be a young adult, like a normal young adult who hasn't, doesn't have to worry about that. And he has immune issues as well. And so it really, uh, he really shouldn't have to wear one. So, yep, that's all I got. Okay. So, so Kristen, go ahead. Uh, well, I know what I really enjoy the most is just being part of the solution, whether it's this issue, any other issue, you know, it is important. I know as far as like myself, one of my things that I do is, you know, I will call a friend that I is like-minded if I have to just talk about these situations. Um, part of what we talk about is building community. It's really important um, to build that community so you don't feel alone because I think that's part of that fear tactic. Like they don't want us talking to each other. So um, that's important. And then uh, I try to really meet people where they're at. And I've learned that I have to be kind of like Dr. Shiva is. I'm not the type of person that likes to, um, you know, get myself out there and be loud uh, about these types of things. You know, we're in a time right now where I may have to be that first person to do something and to break the mold. And, um, you know, for example, with the masks, like I love what Crystal was just sharing. And I've shared this with my kid's dad, like, you know, our, our son may be that first child in his class to say, you know, I'm opting out of wearing the mask unless you can sign this form that tells me that you're going to be you know, responsible for anything that happens, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, we may have to be the first to do that. But I, I know in my heart that people just need someone to kind of break that. Um, and so what I'm doing, just talking to neighbors. And when I hear somebody that is open minded and I can tell like, they're on the same wavelength and I give them the cards. Um, I tell them to go to vashiva.com. And what I would want to share people too is like, this is an educational model and 
system and it's not about like trying to get people to think a certain way it's trying to give people tools so that we can be the change that we want to be uh so that we don't have to rely on people like politicians and celebrities to do it for us yeah so kristen someone just put this up it, it's good to talk about this says, shiva you don't like trump so i don't like you okay no, no, it's, it's interesting because um i want to it's an interesting comment okay because what this comment is showing is that um, the individual doesn't have, basically has no faith in themselves and the importance of working people to organize that we're going to outsource mm -hmm. our future to a billionaire, right? Who the day that he came into office absolved Hillary Clinton, didn't do anything to her, right? Who the day that he came in office, the Q stuff started and we were all, and by the way, to whoever listening, I gave Trump a lot of money, supported him loyally on the ground anywhere. And as I, but I'm not a cult member. I will never be a member of a cult, okay? Because that's against being a human being. But the realities from end to end, at the fundamental end of it, when you look at the results over the last four years, we have mandated medicine on its way. We have these things called, you know, med medical passports are going to be here, right? That's where we're headed. And this, if this had occurred under Hillary Clinton, would the conservatives be saying, oh my God, Hillary Clinton is a fascist, right? Which she is, right? But it seems like people are getting involved in personalities, not understanding their own power of what we need to do bottoms up. And this is a central theme here. In this issue of masks, you have, there is the actual science for particularly young kids. It is going to affect their health, period. And then you have teachers who are the adults who are supposed to show the way they are living in fear. So the, the real cannot, and they are all working people. They're not making billions like Pfizer is, okay? So how do we communicate to them these very harsh realities? Uh, oops, go ahead, Sandy. Hi, okay, yeah. so what I do, and, and much, like Chris, much like Crystal, is um, I carry, my cards. I've already gone through a thousand, by the way. Wow. Um, and uh, um, now tell us what happens when you give the card. And maybe well, you can just, yeah. I first, I first try to can have hold it up to the camera, hold up the front and the back so people see. Yeah. Yep. So I first try to have a conversation. Uh, well, it depends. Sometimes it's with the parents, sometimes it's with a friend, sometimes it's with the neighbor. Um, but these come with me everywhere I go and um and they are uh, right there so um we will get into a discussion and i will point out you know this the science part of it and we'll we'll have a discussion and i'll, I'll say well, what do you think and um you can go to and i direct them to dr shiva um or vashiva.com and um, for, to get their own education, I tell them, you know, that that's a very important uh, piece to, um, you know, understanding everything that's going on. And um, so I've had parents actually reach out to me already um, because they know what I'm involved in and, um, and have asked for guidance and have asked for your, your site. I do have to be careful. I can't do it on school property. They, you know, so um, I also take it to the grocery store. I've also went to the bank, gas station, talked to people there. So, um, so right now, that's how I am getting um, 
my word out um, in support of you know the mask issue. Sandy, people are asking. So just people, people are asking, where do you get the cards? By the way, if you go to vashiva.com/join, anyone can join. You know, we've made it. Uh, it's within our own infrastructure. When you join, you get access to videos. You get access to a forum that we've created independent of big tech, and you get access to all those tools. And then when people actually contribute to our movement, I don't feel right taking stuff as a money or anything. So people get access to uh, educational tools. They get access to becoming a warrior if they want. So that's the, the model. Uh, Elise, go ahead. Um, well, I have to say that I haven't printed out the cards yet, and I'm going to. Um, I, When I was leaving work one day, I ran into a parent, and she no longer has students attending my school. We did, uh, But we did engage in conversation, and I did bring up um, the Shiva website and Dr. Shiva, and I texted her um, your website. Um, and so as a teacher, you know, my my question is again, like who are the strongest voices at my school? Who are the biggest advocates? And I and I think that those are parents. And so I think my avenue has to be a way to engage parents um, and maybe even ask my administration uh, and we give a survey to the students and see how they're reacting to the masks and see, or even give a survey to teachers and say, well, how are your students doing behaviorally and um, how are they progressing in their learning? Sort of look at this data and slowly introduce the, the concept that, you know, masks are more harmful than helpful. Um, and I like what Sandy had mentioned about having sell it out for parents or for anybody I think that's the avenue that we have to go um and and if we get surveys then i think we can even attend for board meetings and present this to parents um, yeah i mean the the other way that i found it is what you guys are doing is just to have small group meetings you know one of our goals is to have fifty thousand truth freedom and health warriors if you just work out the numbers and first of all, number one thing is people need to get trained. There, like, like, the, like we talk about, there is no shortcut. You have just like you go and learn ABCs and you learn writing and you learn there is an actual science to changing the world, and it, and it starts it starts with the science, and then people need to learn, but they need to go activate. The, I think the more people do engage conversations in small groups, you know, having that meeting that you had. In, in the parking lot, right? Giving someone a card. That is more powerful than trying to, you know, trying to talk to a politician. I mean, we have people coming up, oh, let's get let's get that politician on TV, see what he says. It's all useless, it's just drama. I think if 50,000 people, if we could have 50,000 truth, freedom and health warriors, and those 50,000 people could have a thousand conversations, which is very doable, okay, over a year, that's 50 million conversations. And those 50 million conversations will have a 10x effect, okay? And I think people are forgetting the immense power that we have. So I think the, the individual conversations, Elise, that you had with that woman in the, in the parking lot or uh, Kristen, you had with the other parents, or this is where it's at. That is the future. The future is offline. It's not going to be online. The future is offline. And you're talking to someone who's a technologist um, telling you that the future is going to be offline. 
Uh, Sandy, go ahead. You look like you had something to say. No, I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and go ahead, Elise. Any other closing comments? It's just let's just wrap things. That's about nine twelve. Go ahead. I, I want to say that, and and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think everybody on this call is here because it's a personal thing, and and I and I really think that if we're going to educate people, we also have to make it relatable and personal to them, um, and that's how I see it becoming a movement from the bottoms up. Yeah, and Elise, I think I think so. You know, we have every Thursday evenings after people go through training, we have a a, a Truth from Health Warrior Summit we do, and to get our messaging clear on all these issues. But I think um, anyone who wants to help, please join because as you go out and you try to communicate to someone, you might learn. Oh, wow, maybe I should have discussed it like this. Maybe I should have shared this, and that collective learning is going to be variable. But ultimately, I think. If we focus on, yes, we all care about public health. We all want everyone to be health. You know, we want truth, we want freedom, we want health. The issue is what does that health look like? Is it a health where you're wearing this stuff or a diaper around your face all day and you can't communicate with people? Is that even healthy? What is health? And that discussion, we as people have not had that opportunity to have that discussion. It's been imposed on us there's five people who are telling us what health looks like, right? And that's what the real issue is. Working people need to unite. We need to have these conversations to determine our destiny. It should not be coming top down. Um, and I think once people start understanding what is health really look like? Well, health looks like you have good social relationships, right? Health looks like you're vibrant, right? Your body can take a hit and come back stronger, right? Resilience. And I think that discussion of health should take place. Like, I think if people really had a chance to have that discussion, um, they would say, what the hell am I doing? Like, what is real health? So if those teachers in your school, Lily, said, okay, let's say we could call some of those teachers into a one of, one of this, you know? Let's have a discussion. What is public health? What does real public health look like? And are doing these things a way to public health? And I think that's a foundational discussion that has not been had. Like, what is public health? I think 35% of young kids today are obese. Something ridiculous, right? 30, you know, are obese. They, they're not eating massive amounts of sugar. These things have incredible effects on the human body and public health, right? The level of people have neuroinflammation going on in their brain. The, the number of kids who can't focus, right? Uh, my nephew, when he was going to grade school, he said, I think, he said 60% of kids in his high school were on Ritalin or Adderall. So none of this is discussed. So I, I think if we can use this as an opportunity to tell people, okay, yeah, I care about health, but this is the actual health of where we're at. So let's say we all got COVID and, and so many people died, right? Half a million people have died, right? Supposedly from COVID. We don't even know if that statistic is right. I think we should have this broader, deeper discussion of what is public health. So what would be interesting is why don't we invite maybe the teachers in your schools to a discussion? You know, have an open discussion, educate them and say, look, why don't you just come to a discussion? Let's just talk about, yeah, masks and what you think about it and let them share their views. I think we should have those people share instead of attacking them. 
I think we should ha have a conversation with them, all of them. So why don't we invite a bunch of people who are into the masks to another conversation? No, seriously. Because it'd be really interesting to have a conversation with them. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Because we don't want to be an echo chamber here, right? The 50% of people who, there's 50% of people who are well-meaning people who are not like um, fanatics, you know? So that's what I think we should do. I think we should escalate the number of conversations we have with people, even who disagree with us, if they're open to it. The 30% the will, will just want to disagree and they want, they don't even want to have a conversation. How about that as a homework assignment? <laughs> yeah. Homework assignment. Yeah. Go ahead, Kristen. I think it's a great idea. That's like 99% of the conversations I have are with well-meaning people and my own family who just want the best for me and my children. And when I have these kinds of talks about the science, they start to, you know, the conversation evolves and develops um, when they move beyond that fear of, of other things. So I think it's a great idea. So why don't we do that? I mean, we could do a follow-up in a week from now, or if you think of two weeks from now, and why don't we bring in, I mean, more people to have a conversation with them. Each one of you find one other person who disagrees with you and say, look, let's have a conversation, an open conversation, see if they, and I think it'd be great to have those people come. The other thing is, I think two weeks from now, we're gonna start, I'm gonna start a, a monthly educational program for kids to teach them a system approach. Um, on Tuesday evening, we have a young kid, he's 11 years old. Um, he was doing really badly in school. I think he was getting D's and F's. And he started watching some of our videos and he got very, very inspired. And um, he went from a D and F student to becoming an A plus student, the best student in his class. His mom, I think one of his teachers, and, and he's gonna come online with his mom on Tuesday night. And he's going to talk about how a systems approach, how innovation and being inspired got him to actually do well. So I think we should also educate young kids. And so the other thing is we can bring a lot of young. So once a month, we're going to start doing that. We're going to have a systems educational class for young kids mm -hmm. and teach them some basic things. So we're going to start that. So anyone who's out there, let people know. Uh, but what do you think, Elise? I mean, I think this was if you can get a couple of those teachers in, I don't think we should waste our time talking to politicians. Anyone who wants to go think about, you know, August, something's gonna happen with Trump and being the Trump cult, you're just wasting your time. Keep going doing that. And you're basically in many ways, you're betraying your own, you're betraying yourself. That's what you're really doing. You're betraying yourself and you're betraying your, your working people. Billionaires living in Mar-a-Lago um, have a very different perspective on working people than working people who actually work, <laughs> doing working people stuff, okay? So anyway, I, this was great. I, I wanna thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Elise. And I think, you know, you guys as a team, given everything you're doing, we are, you know, we're setting up different teams now. We have a whole group on the medical freedom issue. We have a group on the mass. Maybe the five of you or the four, whatever you want, we could literally do some regular events and bring more people into this discourse. But if people want to go to vashiva.com slash masks, there's a whole website where we have all the research done on the masks. Um, but our goal here is we want to be not just scholars and learn the knowledge, but we want to be activists. So you got to do both. You got to do talking to people because we learn how to communicate. 
Learning how to communicate is 90% of the problem here. All right. Uh, great. Thank you, everyone. This is great. Let's do it again. Hold on one second. I'll, let me just end and we'll come back to ourselves. Thank you, everyone on Instagram. Be well. Thank you, everyone. Uh, please, everyone, go to bashiva.com slash join. This is your movement for truth, freedom, and health. Become a part of it. Become a member. Become a warrior. But we need to escalate this movement. Thank you.